Today, we're, we're wrapping up our series on Paper Kings, uh, which has been a series all about God's sovereignty through uh, international politics, you know, so it's uh, very fitting the things that we're learning here during our sermon series are applying uh, even to today. Uh, I joked, so if you get our Friday emails, uh, I, I mentioned if we were following our pattern of going through the good kings of the southern kingdom of Judah, today we'd be talking about Josiah, who was an excellent king, uh, definitely someone who you should read about you know, if you didn't get a chance to. But instead, we're talking about Manasseh, who is uh, not quite so good. <laughs> um, it, but I think that the, the stories uh, that... that are told here, the topics that brings up are are things that we need to wrestle with, are things uh, that we need to look at, um, particularly us, uh, and I'll talk about them later. Uh, But to start, we've been giving everyone a chance to read through the stories ahead of time and just give one word, a summary, or a word that stood out uh, about the kings, kind of as like a little teaser. So if anyone read through the stories of Manasseh and Kings and Chronicles, what one word do you have for him this morning? Shout it out. All right, repentance, what was it back here? What? Wicked. Wicked. Yep. Okay. Change. What was it? Redemption. I heard another one too. What was it? Mercy. Yes. Oh, what? This is this is exactly what I wanted. Like, if you didn't read, you're like, what happened? Right? You know, it's like I can't tell. Like, like, yeah, good, bad. Like, it sounds like a, a good guy, but he's also wicked, and there's redemption, and oh, it's it's a good story. It's it's one of those stories where. You know, you read through your Bible and you're like, I didn't know that was in there, right? But it's one that, that we should make a spot in our head so we can have this and remember King Manasseh. Uh, the word that I had uh, was a little bit of an abstract word because it's going to be the whole concept of the sermon, but also of the series, and it's crown. So like paper kings. Uh, the crown is very important because that is uh, a really fancy hat, you know, but it, it symbolizes all the authority, right? You're given the keys to the kingdom. Like, like we will now do what you do because of the crown. I did some research on famous crowns. It's like one of those rabbit holes. You know, it's dangerous when you have a whole week to like plan a sermon. Like you can go kind of as far as you want to go. Um, but I looked up like, you know, the top five, top 10 most valuable crowns in the world. And there are some valuable crowns. Now, it's also very difficult to place a dollar amount on the value of a crown because there's not exactly a market for them. You know, like Austria's not like, we could use a new crown. You know, it's like all these are like 400, 500 years old. They've got like all the precious gemstones in there. Like there, there's one, I think it's um, St. Edward's crown. It's the one that uh, King Charles just got coronated earlier this year. Um, they're like, it's uninsurable because it's like, yeah, if it burns down or you lose it, it's like, well, I don't have another one that I can like replace an equivalent you know, a value. It's like, sorry, that's unique, you know, one of a kind. They say 50 million, 500 million, no one really knows how much these are. That's, look, I feel bad, you know, spending $30 on a hat. You know what I'm saying? It's like, a, it's got to be like a $15 hat. But why is a crown so important, right? Why do you, why do you put so much value into it? Well, it's because of what it means. Like, if you watch that coronation of King Charles, it's Oh, it's fancy, right? I mean, there's a whole ceremony. It's long. Everyone's present. Uh, they've got the archbishop there, and he's, he's saying words, right? And they're, they're deriving the power coming from God, placing it on him. Because uh, you're essentially saying, you now run the country, right? Like, like, we place all authority, all respect, all responsibility on you. You better get it right. And I feel like with Manasseh, I don't know. They might have put the crown on the wrong guy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like ooh, big, big deal, I might have missed that one. Might have missed that one. Uh, I also, 
um, want us to look at the different crowns that we wear. So if you take crown as the symbol of the authority or the honor, the respect, the responsibility that you have, where, where, where do you have crowns, right? Where, where you've been given, right? Like, like you're, you're a parent, right? Or your role within the workplace, right? Your role within friends, right? Where are your responsibilities that God has said, this is for you, right? Or, or life has said, this, you, this is your crown. Uh, we want to make sure we're putting it on the right person, but we also want to be making sure that we're wearing it correctly. Those are the stories that we're going to get into. Those are the topics we're going to get into when we read about Manasseh here. Uh, Before we start, I just want to uh, ask us to bow our heads and just pray that that God would be speaking through uh, his word today. So bow your heads and hearts with me. Lord, we come before you uh, to hear your word. Um, I pray that we'd be open to it. I pray that you would speak uh, through my words, but mainly through your word. Uh, So if something I'm saying uh, isn't your word, Lord, I pray that it would be Uh, heard in a different way in people's hearts. Um, I pray that you would speak to each one of us individually. May we hear you and may we hear the message that you have for us this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, we're going to start. So there's two separate stories, one in Kings and one in Chronicles. We're going to start and read the whole thing of Kings. And so we'll get, uh, this is who uh, King Manasseh was. We're just doing verse 1 through 18 all together. All right, Manasseh was 12 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 55 years. His mother's name was Hephzibah. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord, following the detestable practices of the nations the Lord had driven out before the Israelites. He rebuilt the high places his father Hezekiah had destroyed. He also erected altars to Baal and made an Asherah pole, as Ahab king of Israel had done. He bowed down to all the starry hosts and worshiped them. He built altars in the temple of the Lord, of which the Lord had said, In Jerusalem I will put my name. In the two courts of the temple of the Lord, he built altars to all the starry hosts. He sacrificed his own son in the fire, practiced divination, sought omens, consulted mediums and spiritists. He did much evil in the eyes of the Lord, arousing his anger. He took the carved Asherah pole he had made and put it in the temple, of which the Lord had said to David and and to his son Solomon, In this temple and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen, out of all the tribes of Israel, I will put my name forever. I will not again make the feet of the Israelites wander from the land I gave their ancestors, if only they will be careful to do everything I commanded them and will keep the whole law that my servant Moses gave them. But the people did not listen. Manasseh led them astray, so they did more evil than the nations the Lord had destroyed before the Israelites. The Lord said through his servants, the prophets, Manasseh, king of Judah, has committed these detestable sins. He has done more evil than the Amorites who preceded him and has led Judah into sin with his idols. Therefore, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I am going to bring such disaster on Jerusalem and Judah that the ears of everyone who hears of it will tingle. I will stretch out over Jerusalem the measuring line used against Samaria and the plumb line used against the house of Ahab. I will wipe out Jerusalem as one wipes a dish, wiping it and turning it upside down. I will forsake the remnant of my inheritance and give them into the hands of enemies. They will be looted and plundered by all their enemies. They have done evil in my eyes and have aroused my anger from the day their ancestors came out of Egypt until this day. Moreover, Manasseh also shed so much innocent blood that he filled Jerusalem from end to end besides the sin that he caused Judah to commit, so that they did evil in the eyes of the Lord. As for the other events of Manasseh's reign and all he did, including the sin he committed, are they not written in the books of the annals of the kings of Judah? Manasseh rested with his ancestors and was buried in his palace garden, the garden of Uzzah, and Ammon, his son, succeeded him as king. Yikes. Right? What a disaster. Like, okay, Last week, we learned about Hezekiah. I said he's, he's one of the best, if not the best, 
right? Hezekiah's son is Manasseh. As good as Hezekiah was, Manasseh was bad, right? Like he like starts out listing, he undid everything that Hezekiah did. Hezekiah led this reform, right? Where he's like, oh, wow, I, I didn't realize, you know, we got to remove all these altars. We got to, you know, t- celebrate the Passover, right? We're going to open the temple back up because his father had closed the temple down. He's like, we will, we will rededicate ourselves to the Lord. And here's Manasseh just like, all right, what's up? All right, let's, let's just add, you know what, the temple, let's keep it around. But why just have one God there? Let's make it a marketplace of religions. It just installs all sorts of altars all over, right? And, and the author here wants us to know, hold on, this was the place that God had said, I'm placing my name, right? We talked about the temple's significance. This was the relationship between the nation and God. And so here's Manasseh being like, ah, there's no personal relationship with God. It's just Find, find what works for you, right? And these things all kind of work for me, so here we go. So it's, it's just very flippant, right? Like pays no attention to the fact that God has made very personal claims to the space and to the nation, and now we just do whatever we want, right? But, but it gets worse, right? You know, he even goes so far as to say uh, he, pr- he uh, made his son pass through the fire. It says, sacrificed his son in the fire. It's like, whoa, child sacrifice, right? Like even, even back then, it was as abhorrent as it is to us today. We're like, whoa, time out, <laughs> you know, like, like we can't just do this. And, and Manasseh's almost, we, you know, like, like it doesn't, doesn't mention like he's doing anything necessarily intentionally against God, but he's just doing all these things. It's like, stop, 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 right? And the innocent blood, right, is just filling Jerusalem. Like, what, wait, what? <laughs> you know, Manasseh's terrible. It says that he's worse than the nation's that were kicked out in order for Israel to come into the promised land. Now, now here's the big thing. When we read through Deuteronomy, and and when God said, I'm giving you the promised land, and and you're going to take over the people that are already there, we're we're uncomfortable with that. But the justification in Deuteronomy is they are so bad, they have earned God's judgment. And some of their judgment is that they are going to lose their homes. They're going to be driven from their land. And now we hear the prophets are saying, yeah, Manasseh has led Judah to be worse than the people that, that... Got, got relieved of their land, right, through God's judgment. So, <laughs> dot, dot, dot. I mean, the, the prophets make it clear they're losing the land. Th- that's it, right? Like, like, God is a just God. He's not partial. So if, if you're just as bad as them, in fact, you're worse than them, you're gone. You're out, right? And that's what, that's what we see from Manasseh in Kings, just an absolute terrible king. But here, here's what I want to Let's just reframe it a different way. I th- Look, he, he was a decent enough king. He, he ruled for 55 years. From a secular perspective, the people must have thought, well, he's, he's just being a king, right? We, we gave the crown to him. He's doing what he wants, right? Like there, there's, there's no one here other than the prophets that are calling him out or saying like, wait, maybe we shouldn't do that, right? People are going on with it, right? Okay, so Hezekiah liked the temple to be just for one God. Cool, Manasseh's cool, opening it up to multiple gods, no problem. I'll just worship whoever I want to worship. You know, very much like the do whatever you want to do, right? I mean, we have that kind of culture, that, that vibe where it's like, hey, look, I won't tell you what to do. They just kind of take your pick. Manasseh's just doing what he wants, which is what you do with a king. Like, if you're the king, you, you make the rules, right? Like, like, you get the crown, we go as you go. So Manasseh's just taking what's been given to him. And look, God gives us tremendous freedom. Right? He gives us the ability to decide where do we want to go, right? And so all Manasseh's doing is using the crown that's been given to him in, in a poor way. But here's the, here's the deal. Uh, where did that crown come from, right? 
like his father, you know, like Hezekiah died, right? The, the verse right before, oh, I just thought I just flipped a ton of pages, so I got to jump back to it. The ver- verse right before where we read says, Hezekiah rested with his ancestors and Manasseh, his son, succeeded him as king. And then it starts, right? So it's from his father. Well, where'd Hezekiah get it? Well, from his father, from his father. It goes all the way back 14 generations, right, to David. Uh, that's uh, uh, the, the Davidic dynasty, right? You know, it's, it's a monarchy where it's passed down from generation to generation. That's where they derive their authority. That's where the crown is coming from. And then uh, we go back further, as, as Matt's been pointing out during this whole, this whole sermon series. Uh, 1 Samuel 8 says the people themselves wanted a king to be like the other nations. God's prophet Samuel said, no, you don't. Uh, <laughs> But, but they convinced him to. He anoints Saul. Ah, Saul didn't quite work, so Samuel anoints David. But it's with David that God meets with him and validates the monarchy and says, okay, okay, I will, I will make sure that you stay on your throne. If you follow me, if you recognize that this crown comes from me, then I will protect your family and this dynasty. You will always have someone on the throne before me. The crown is coming from the parents and ultimately it comes from God. Because here's the thing, right? Who is the actual king here? It's God. What makes a king a king? Here's here's my proposal. The one who's ruling is the one who makes the rules and enforces the rules. That's how you know who's ruling. You make the rules and you enforce the rules. So who's ruling things? Who's the real king? The rules are Deuteronomy. That's what we studied this summer. God wrote those rules. Is God enforcing those rules? Well, when he sends the prophets and say, you're doing it wrong, and then he says, here's your discipline, here's your punishment, yeah, he's enforcing the rules. God is actually ruling. Yeah, that crown that you're wearing, Manasseh, that that crown is meant for God. He's just giving you a paper crown, right? He's giving you a, a role to play, but all the authority that you have is just derived from it, just reflects the true king, which is on the, the, the true throne, right, with the true crown. And so to me, the, the problem that Manasseh has is he takes the real crown and puts it on his head. That's not, that's not yours. That's too heavy. You're just a paper king. That's going to weigh you down. That's going to take you all the way down and Judah with it. The main message that I see here in the King's Version is, is this. Whoops, turn it on. And then the click, then the timing works better, you know, for the, for the speech. And be like, it's this. Bang. Oh, am I left clicking? No, they did in the back. That wasn't me. That wasn't me. Thanks, guys. Thanks for the assist. Put the crown on the right king. That's the main point, right? So if God gives us the freedom, there is a crown available, put it on the right king, right? It's not you. It's God, right? So if Manasseh picks up the crown and wears it, ah, that's the wrong choice. Wrong choice. You're adding way more responsibility to yourself. You're giving yourself way more freedom. The crowns that you're meant to carry, the crowns that you're meant to have on are meant to reflect and are meant to derive from the real crown, the real authority that comes from God. Uh, imagine like this, you get hired at a company, and you're doing, you're doing well, you know, maybe you aren't working there 55 years, you know, like Manasseh, uh, but over time, you just start realizing like, this company doesn't know what to do, my boss, super dumb, I could do things better. And so, gradually, you just start doing things better on your own, right? Without, yeah, you just leave them out, you know, but then, then you start uh, making decisions that your boss should make, you know, like which clients to pick up or not. You're making promises, right, to your customers that, that, that you really need approval for. You're like, ah, 
I'll just do it myself. Then your boss starts saying, no, you really need to do this. We have to do these reports. This is the way that you have to, you know, log your time, you know, or, 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 or interact with customers. You're like, no, nah, actually, I prefer doing it this way, right? If you keep doing that, what happens? You get fired, right? Like, like no, no, sorry, sir, you know, but you are not in charge, right? And that's what Manasseh is experiencing, right? Ultimately, you get fired. You lose the crown that you're wearing because that isn't your crown. I'll take that back from you. I want us to see ourselves in Manasseh. I think we're closer to him than maybe we'd like to think. Just think about it this way. He grew up as a kid in a period of reformation, right? Hezekiah was pointing people back toward worshiping God and worshiping God alone. We, you, all of us, are born in a culture that still has heavy Christian influences. A lot of us know who Jesus is. In fact, a lot of people that don't, aren't in church this morning know who Jesus is, or they've attended church, right? Even if it was at their baptism or their wedding or someone's funeral or Christmas and Easter, whatever it is. A lot of us have some literacy when it comes to understanding who Jesus is, who God is. Uh, we, we have a fighting chance. Now, did that knowledge, did that upbringing from Manasseh save him? It didn't give him anything. I mean, he, he, he just did the opposite thing. Now, he didn't destroy the temple, right? And so I think, again, some of us kind of like, well, I'm not throwing away any sort of remnants of faith. You know, it's, it's like, I'm just doing what I want, which is totally fine because God lets us do what we want, right? No. <laughs> no, it's, it's not okay. That, that's not okay. Here's the thing. We all have the opportunity to put the crown on ourselves and decide I'm doing what I want because I have freedom or I have authority or, or I'm, I'm a father. Therefore, I can do what I want in how I raise my children. Or we can recognize, no, the crown goes on the right king. The right king is on God. We pick up the paper crowns. We wear those. We wear them well. <laughs> but it reflects and it derives the authority from God and his character. That's our choice. All right, now the, the fun part, though, is that Chronicles includes a story that Kings doesn't even talk about, right? So I like how it says, like, as for the other events, are they not written in the annals of the kings of Judah? Now, I don't know if they're referring to Chronicles or not, but if you jump over to 2 Chronicles 33, you get an additional story about Manasseh that Kings doesn't have. I'm going to start in verse 10, and we'll go, we'll go to the end. We'll go to the end on this one. The Lord spoke to Manasseh, and his people, but they paid no attention. So the Lord brought against them the army commanders of the king of Assyria, who took Manasseh prisoner, put a hook in his nose, bound him with bronze shackles, and took him to Babylon. In his distress, he sought the favor of the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his ancestors. And when he prayed to him, the Lord was moved by his entreaty and listened to his plea. So he brought him back to Jerusalem and to his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord is God. Afterward, he rebuilt the outer wall of the city of David, west of the Gihon Spring in the valley, as far as the entrance of the fish gate and encircling the hill of Ophel. He also made it much higher. He stationed military commanders in all the fortified cities in Judah. He got rid of the foreign gods and removed the image from the temple of the Lord, as well as all the altars he had built on the temple hill and in Jerusalem. And he threw them out of the city. Then he restored the altar of the Lord and sacrificed fellowship offerings and thank offerings on it and told Judah to serve the Lord, the God of Israel. The people, however, continued to sacrifice at the high places, uh, but only to the Lord their God. The other events of Manasseh's reign, including his prayer to his God and the words the seers spoke to him in the name of the Lord, the God of Israel, are written in the annals of the kings of Israel. 
his prayer and how God was moved by his entreaty, as well as all his sins and unfaithfulness and the sites where he built high places and set up Asherah poles and idols before he humbled himself. All these are written in the records of the seers. Manasseh rested with his ancestors and was buried in his palace, and Ammon, his son, son succeeded him as king. Well, that, I mean, that seems like an important story, right? Like, kings, what are you doing? You know, you, you left out, like, this is a pretty big one, right? This is a good one. Again, we've talked about the two differences, right? There's, there's two different uh, messages and goals for, for First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles. But this is surprising, guys. Absolutely surprising in four different ways that I can count. One, okay, so Manasseh gets carried away, right? This is the judgment. This is the discipline that he receives justly from God for all of his actions. He's, he's like the worst king. He, he, like, he is the worst king, you know, according to what, what we have here. And yet, when he's at his rock bottom, he humbles himself greatly before the Lord. That's unexpected, right? What? Whoa, that's okay. Well, maybe it's the, you know, you feel times are hard. Okay, Lord, sorry, huh, you know. But guess what? Guess what? It says, it says, and when he prayed to him, the Lord was moved by his entreaty and listened to his plea. That's unexpected. This was the guy that just trashed God for, I don't know how many years of the 55, but for decades, right? Enough that God said, I'm angry with you, angry enough to do something. And then he did something and he acted, right? Now God's just, oh, okay, you know, like seeing so oh, I'm sorry. Okay, okay, fine. You know, that's surprising to me, right? Because when, when I'm angry and I've disciplined my children and they say, Dad, sorry, can I please have more electronics time? I say, no, you lost it. You know, like, that, like that's it, right? No, you have to stay in bed. You, you've lost that privilege, right? But God listens. And not just that. It says, he brought him back to Jerusalem and to his kingdom. That's unexpected. He gives him his crown back. He says, not just, okay, cool, I'll be with you in this. Yeah, tough time, but here, no, let me bring you back. I'm going to restore you to your place of authority. You get to be king again. <laughs> That's unexpected. And then guess what? That, to me, the most unexpected part is the fact that Manasseh actually changes. Like it wasn't even an act. You know, like for me, it's like, oh, I know humans. You know, like we'll do anything to get ourselves out of a tough situation. We'll say whatever we need, right? Can't believe God fell for it. But then we see that Manasseh's whole life is reversing the reversing that he had done from Hezekiah, his dad, right? And now he goes back to removing the idols and the, the temples only for worship God. He leads the people toward it. He himself is sacrificing offerings. Massive reversal. Unbelievable, incredible reversal. Incredible story that we see here. It says a couple things. One, if the key point is that we need to make sure we put the crown on the right king, then the chronicler wants to add one other, one other statement. It's never too late to put the crown on the right king, right? So Manasseh, did his upbringing save him, right? Like, like that, he, had, he had learned who God was. He had seen it modeled in his father. No, absolutely. He, he chose his own path that was completely wrong. But did his past doom him? No either, right? Like God just wants to see the humble heart in the present, and then he's willing to restore him back. He's willing to be present with him. It says a massive thing about who our God is. Uh, over and over, God isn't all that interested in your past. In, in terms of you can't store up enough goodness, right? Like, well, I, I, look, I've been a Christian 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. I attend church every single Sunday. You know, it doesn't matter how much goodness you've stored up. Imagine, well, what's the state of your heart? 
Who's wearing the, the, the crown right now? Is it you or is it God? Right? S- same thing in reverse, right? We can say it doesn't matter how many years away from the church you've been. It doesn't matter how far you've practiced other religions or consulted what, spiritists, you know, consulted the dead. God says, well, where's the crown now? If you humble yourself and you put it on him, he says, okay, I'm willing to work with you. See, this is our God. And I think it's unexpected because it's not the way that I work. Chronicles wants us to see this over and over because, you know, we've been looking primarily at the good kings and you read the story in Kings and it's like, this guy was great. And Chronicles is like, yeah, he was great. But also there's this one story, this one time where his pride got in the way, right? You're like, goodness, like just let us have heroes. You know, it's like glass half empty kind of guy whoever wrote this. But then we see this story with Manasseh, right? Kings is just like, this guy's the reason why we're all exiled, blame him, you know? And then Chronicles is like, wait, 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 hold on. But there's one other story. See, the chronicler isn't just uh, Debbie Downer, right? You know, and just seeing things from a pessimistic standpoint. No, he's trying to tell us something. It really doesn't matter how many years you were faithful. Are you faithful now, right? Or, or did you take the crown back from God? Because you know, a lot of these good kings start feeling like, hey, this, yeah, this is, don't mind if I do. I know how to do this one, God. Like, you, here, let me, let me try it on, right? No, 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 no. Put the crown on the right king right? And so he's saying with Manasseh, yeah, he could be terrible. I mean, this is, this is as, as bad as you can think. It's worse than anyone, right? Worse than anyone that's already received God's judgment. And yet he humbled himself and he said, you know what, God? This is yours. God said, you're right, it is. In fact, here, let me give you your crown back, your paper crowns. Here, second chance. Now, I'm not saying that all of us get second chances the way that Manasseh gives second chances, but this is who our God is. He cares about your heart today, right? So where's, where's the crown for you today? Doesn't matter how, how long you've been a Christian. Doesn't matter how many Bible verses you've memorized. Doesn't matter what your prayer life looks like. Where's the crown today? You wearing it or is he wearing it? That's what God cares about. It's his crown. You just wear, wear the paper crowns. And also, I love, I love pointing out that the God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament, right? A, a lot of, uh, it, it's, I don't know, it's kind of popular. It's kind of fun to kind of be like, oh yeah, Jesus, love him. Yeah, the God of the Old Testament though, really? Uh, I can't know him. He's violent. He's mean. He's weird. You know, whatever, I don't know, whatever people say. Look, this is the God of the Old Testament. It's a gracious God who says, look, if you elevate yourself too high, I will bring you down. But if you humble yourself properly and acknowledge me, I will lift you up, which is literally the exact words of Jesus. This is what he says. Oh, you guys do it in the back. You got it. All right, it says, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. This was Jesus speaking to the Pharisees who felt like they were doing pretty good. They were religious leaders. They knew backwards and forwards the scriptures. They were putting that crown on themselves, and Jesus is over there knocking it off, right, and putting them back. Instead, he's going to the tax collectors, to the prostitutes, to the people that society has kicked out. I don't want to see any of that. And he's saying, if you properly humble yourself, you're lifted up. You are my disciple. You're, you're next to me. You know, not, not these guys. Consistently through the Bible, this is what God does. God does not look at your past. He doesn't look at your resume. He doesn't, you know, look at your, your Facebook photos and throw you out of the job interview. No, he says, today, right now, you wearing the crown or am I? Your choice, your freedom, but if you humble yourself before me, I will lift you up. I will support you. If you choose to lift yourself up, wear the crown I will bring you down. It's too heavy for you. You're not meant for that. 
for some of you, you might not even be thinking of yourself, but you're thinking of others, you know, people in your family, people at your jobs, friends, you know, people that uh, perhaps grew up knowing a little bit of the faith, uh, but for one reason or another, are just wearing their own crown, doing their own thing, and are not following. They don't recognize the authority actually comes from God. The freedom actually comes from God to do whatever you want. Uh, I just want to make a note. Uh, we're beyond church. We, we want it not just to be for us, but for others. So I hope you're connected to those people. When did God listen and respond to Manasseh? Well, it's after he humbled himself, but it's before he knew that the Lord was God. It says at the very end, after he brought him back to Jerusalem and to his kingdom, then Manasseh knew that the Lord is God. Like, God is willing to listen to you if you cry out. If you humble yourself, if you don't know who he is, right? So it's like Manasseh knew who he was. Obviously, he knew to pray to him, right? I mean, he knew the temple. He knew that there was a God, but he didn't know the truth. He didn't have that personal relationship. And yet God still saw him and still responded to him. So if there's anyone in your life you know, that's going through a tough time that you don't know if they know God or not, just encourage them. Reach out to God. Re- just pray to him. Tell him. Share. This is, this, is, this is what's on my heart. And then our God will respond. If you're humble, he will lift you up. That's who our God is. So encourage people. Reach out to him. There's no magic words. They don't have to get their life in order. In fact, that's the point that they're making. It doesn't happen. Just right now, put the crown on the right king. I don't know if that worked or you had perfect timing with me. But this is, this is the question we have to ask ourselves. This is the question we want to ask everyone else. Who's wearing the crown? Who has authority? Wear your paper crowns. Wear them well that reflect God the king. But don't put on his crown. Uh, God the king is revealed in the person of Jesus. Uh, so I, I, we planned it like this. This sermon series leads right into Advent. Next week is going to be the first of a four-week series, five if you include Christmas Eve, where we're going to look at our true king. Who is Jesus? Why was it significant for him to come? If, if there's anyone in your life that you would like to invite so that they can learn more about who Jesus is, the next five weeks would be a great example. Uh, but for us today, the question is this. Who's wearing the crown? Every day you have an opportunity to put the crown on the right king. Right? It's, it's an everyday thing. It's, it's not a, yeah, I was baptized when I was six kind of thing. You know, great, fantastic, you're in, you're, you're a part of the church, but, but how about today, right? You wearing the crown, are you doing what you want to do? And nah, who cares what God's saying? Or do you recognize I'm going to do the roles that God has given me according to God's rules? Because ultimately, he writes the rules, he enforces the rules. And if you're looking for the right king to place the crown on, don't look in the mirror. I hope this sermon series has showed you, don't look at any person, <laughs> right? Don't look at any religious leaders, right? Don't look at a pastor. Don't look at a politician, right? Don't, don't look for the heroes in human flesh. Uh, they're not strong enough. They're just paper kings themselves. What we need is Jesus. All right, let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the story of Manasseh. I thank you for uh, both accounts in Kings and Chronicles that we get to read and understand more about your character. I pray that we would understand how close you are and how much you want to respond to us. I pray that we would honestly assess our hearts and whether or not we're being honest with you, whether or not we're truly uh, following you uh, and the roles that you've given us to play, um, or whether or not we're just deciding to do things our own way and kind of keep you on the side. Uh, We want to know you, God. We want to be in line with who you are, so I pray that you would strengthen us and allow us uh, to please you in the ways that we lead, the way that we handle the responsibilities that you've given us. 
We pray all these things, Lord, in your son's name. Amen. All right, we're going to wrap up with discussion, but if you feel like you want to decide, I want to put the crown back on God and share that with someone, I'll stay up here. I can pray with you, uh, walk you through that, celebrate with you. If you want to decide, yeah, you know what? I've been been having this crown on my head for a long time. I want to set it down. I want to give it back to God. I'll be up here. Um, But for everyone else, we've got these uh, questions for you as well. Uh, First, what was your word for Manasseh? Uh, Share a little bit about where that came from. Uh, Two, what paper crowns have you been given by God? So where are those areas of responsibility that God has given you an opportunity to decide, am I doing this in my own way or am I going to be following him? And then lastly, what does putting the crown back on God look like in your life? Or what does that daily decision mean, right? If every day is an opportunity to put the crown on the right king, what does that look like for you? Uh, Let's take maybe just four minutes or so, then I'll come back up and dismiss us at the end.